What happens when you need to balance two worlds? When you come from a subculture or culture, and then you add in being an HSP and empath. Trying to straddle two worlds is complicated, or maybe you're straddling three or more. So in this episode, I dive into my own experience managing and balancing, or at least as much as I can in one episode. Hi everyone, this is Kavita, Certified Empowerment Coach and Hypnotherapist, and you are listening to the Enlightened Heart Podcast, where we explore topics that empower HSPs and empaths to go from surviving to thriving in the world. I use my years of coaching, my personal experience, and my training to provide deep insights and implementable strategies to help you thrive. everyone. So it has actually taken me some time to get down to recording this episode. And whenever that happens, that is resistance. And so I had to dive into why I was so resistant to record this episode. And because it is so personal, this was even more important. And as I started to do some inner work to figure it out, I realized that this was so close to my heart And some of the things that I share in this episode, I am still working on. And so that is actually why it became so difficult to share it and to record it. But I'm ready today. So as you heard in the introduction, I am going to talk about navigating two worlds, being a first-generation American, And I'm being a pioneer and actually one of the firsts in a lot of ways in my family. And what I define as a soulful misfit, what that means. And I will also be talking a little bit about what a Renaissance soul is. And so let's dive in. So some of you know a little bit about me. I come from, uh, my family of origin is of Indian descent. And not only are they of Indian descent, they are from a part of India that is no longer in India. So they are from a region called Sindh, and Sindh is now in Pakistan. And when the British decided to divide up India into all the pieces that it is today, and they drew the line dividing Pakistan and India which by the way, some of that is still disputed today in that region uh, known as Kashmir. What happened was there was a migration both ways across the border. And my grandmother and actually my my father was a child during this time or a baby. And so th- since they were Hindu, they decided that they were not safe to stay in what is now Pakistan. And in all fairness, that happened the other way, right? From India to Pakistan as well. And so what that does is it creates this energy of not having really a homeland. So the Sindhis started to spread out all over the world in what is known as a diaspora, right? Or diaspora. Who knows if I'm pronouncing that right. But what that means is it's a group of people who live outside the area in which they had lived for a long time or where their ancestors lived. And so growing up, I would hear stories about you know, my grandmother and how they leave, had to leave everything behind. I could only take what they could carry with them. They would talk about 
the fact that they had to leave these ancestral homes that were passed down from generations. They lived in these generational homes. So it was not, you know, like we are in Western culture where it's the the core family, right? Where instead it was extended family structure and there was support system to help raise children and really preserve the culture. And when you have this idea that you no longer have a homeland, there's an even deeper drive to preserve culture. And of course, you know, growing up, I didn't think about that or didn't realize that. I'm, I am a first generation American. I was born in the U.S. and grew up in South Texas in a small place called Brownsville. So, you know, that whole experience has shaped me in so many ways that I'd never realized fully till this last couple years. You know, understanding where my roots are and my ancestors are from explains a lot of the gripping that my family had of preserving the culture and following the rules and, you know, wanting to control how I lived. And so being the oldest in my family uh, and being a woman and in my culture, women are not valued and women are not in a lot of Sindhi cultures. And there's subcultures within that, which I'm not going to go into a woman being educated is not valued. So what is the purpose of a woman? It is to marry well and have children and pass on the name of your husband, right? So it's so deep that even as a Sindhi woman, a Hindu Sindhi woman, I'll add, gets married, oftentimes they change their first name as well, according to whether your um, astrological chart when you were born matches your husband. So they wanted to match. So you change your last name, your first name, and your middle name becomes your husband's name. So I didn't choose to do that. I chose to keep my first name. And thankfully my husband was okay with that. And then my middle name I kept as my father's name because it's your father's name till you get married. So it feels like the sense of ownership, right? So that's, that's one area that is, I didn't, and I share that to show the, the patriarchal structure that is there in the culture. And this is what I grew up around and felt was normal. And as I grew up in South Texas, which is primarily Hispanic, Latinx, Mexican. And so, um, that culture is also patriarchal as well. So my family, you know, some of these who moved to areas that were more progressive started to adapt to where they lived. And that is actually one of the values that I had been taught is like, you need to adapt. You need to be like a chameleon to the area. You need to blend in because it's survival. Like if you think back to being, you know, losing your home because you're different, not having a place of roots, how do you adapt to a new place? You blend in, you don't cause problems, right? And so that happens. So some people that, that move to areas that are more progressive continue to evolve and grow and became less patriarchal. But since we were in the small place, we tended our family and my extended family, my parents have both their siblings and their families living there. And that felt so suffocating in some ways. And because there was anything you did, it was reflected through all the family, right? And, you know, anything you wanted to do, it's like you needed the permission of others to be able to do that. And I, and the story is really, um, 
hard to say, but I'll just say this. So I remember when, you know, as a woman, you have your first experience of menstruation and I didn't know what to do with it. I went to my mother. I was scared. I thought I was sick, right? Because I had never been taught about that. And we never talked about that. And so she said, oh, this is what you do. And she handed me a box of maxi pads. And then she picked up the phone and started calling people, letting them know that, oh, my daughter's menstruating, like in a sense of celebration. And I was mortified and embarrassed, right? Because I didn't even understand what this was happening to me. And then she was calling and it's like the woman's fertility, right? So now I'm fertile and it was like a thing you shared, right? So that's, that's kind of the upbringing I had. And my parents did the best they could, you know, considering that they were trying to make it financially. I remember being, you know, one of these really good at school people and straight A's and always wanting their approval. And of course it was never good enough for them. Right. So I would come home with straight A's and maybe one would be an A minus and they're like, well, why isn't it that an A? <laughs> you know, so it's a sense of perfectionism that, you know, I was ingrained with. And then I remember around the age of 14 or 14 ish that I, you know, realized that I really had pull and a desire to help others, you know, and that's the time when I started reading Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss. And I realized that I really wanted to be a physician. I really wanted to. I had the grades to do it. I had the drive to do it. I loved science. I loved helping people. I remember going to my parents and telling them, well, I want to go to college and I want to be a doctor. And they said, no. They said that good Sydney girls don't go to college. So I was really upset with that and started to go down this road of trying to figure out my career and, you know, start to figure out what could I do. And then, you know, finally just gave up and started dating behind their back, even though I'm not allowed to date. Now I grew up with a curfew of 1030 PM and wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Right. So I started dating and they found out. And I remember how angry my father was because now I was like this marred you know, I wasn't pure anymore because I dated someone. And so now they're like, oh, well, we picked out your husband and now what are we going to do? So they decided to let me go to college, but I couldn't be a doctor. So because they were attempting to separate our relationship, right? So I went to college. I didn't know what I could major in. I just, I didn't have time to really research, you know, these days, if you're going to college, there's all these prep, all this prep that you can do and, you know, research. I just had to go to the closest college that I could get into in the short time period. I mean, it was almost the end of my senior year. So I think it was like January or February of my senior year. Like, where am I going to go now? Right. So to shorten that story, went through a process of many different careers. Right. And so never feeling like anything was a good fit, never feeling like I belonged right? And so in school, in high school, I went to private school, uh, to Catholic school till eighth grade. And then in ninth grade, went to public school. And I remember in private school, I didn't fit in because I wasn't Catholic. And, you know, some people told me I was going to hell every day. And then on, on the other hand, when I went to public school, I was, you know, from this really conservative family who didn't do anything. And I'm going to a public school and this like whole world of like, opened up, right? Things that I thought just happened in the movies. And so going to that school, I was not accepted and feel accepted, right? Because I wasn't Latin, 
right? I wasn't Latin enough. I wasn't um, part of a church or I wasn't part of what they saw. I didn't dress the way they did, right? So it was like the sense of you're an outsider. And there were not very many other Indians there until, you know, in the middle of high school, I had some uh, people move into the area. So there was at least someone that was similar to me. So there was always a sense of like, I don't belong. So I don't belong in school. I don't belong here. My family and my values are different. And, you know, not really fully being accepted, right? And so how do you navigate all of this? How do you navigate feeling like you're trying to fit in and preserve your culture and feeling this sense of really wanting to honor your parents and their sacrifices, right? Because they did give up so much. They did give up, you know, their country in many ways, right? That became their country. My parents immigrated from India. And so then they gave up that family structure and that system that came here with little or nothing and worked really hard to establish their businesses and preserve the culture and all this. And so that you could have the opportunities or that I could have the opportunities. And so then what, and now, you know, just being in this place that of course I need to honor them and do what they think is best. Right. And not even questioning that till I was older. Okay. And so wondering if some of you are in those situations, right, where you have this culture that you are from, maybe you're a first generation American, like I am, and or a second generation, right? And feel like you really are in a place that you don't fit in, like you're a misfit, right? And so that's where I go and talk about being a soulful misfit. So a misfit is like, I feel like someone that doesn't really fit in anywhere or feel like they fit in. And a soulful misfit is someone that is spiritual, knows that we're all connected and is constantly on this path to be a better version of themselves. And that's what I call a soulful misfit, right? And so, you know, how did I move through this? First, I, you know, I've worked with therapists, I've worked with coaches, I've done visualizations, I've done reading, lots of certifications, energy work, uh, connecting with others, and really paying attention to where I'm going and where I want to go. And through these times of me navigating my own way and where I want to go, no, I never became a doctor. Um, I did end up getting a bachelor's degree in psychology because I loved psychology also, and wanted to be a therapist. But of course, that's not a valued profession, right? So didn't go that route and just went on this path of trying so many different things, right? And also I have so many interests and there are so many things that I'm good at, which is like, there's defined, there's books about it. And I'll put a, a link to one of the books that awakened my sense of being a Renaissance soul, right? That has so many things you're good at and so many things you want to bring into your life but really there's no career that would check all the boxes, right? So I was looking for something that didn't exist until I worked with a coach who, you know, used the process of NLP and realized that, you know, the degree in psychology, the coaching, that was my route, right? And so that's what made me do what I'm doing today. And I'm continuing to grow and evolve. And lately, you know, this last few years, I work with highly sensitive people and empaths and have been attracting HSPs and empaths, as well as people, 
that have similar experiences that I have, right? People that have gone through or in this process of figuring out their individuation and where they belong, right? They have a culture that they want to preserve. Maybe they moved here into the U.S. or Canada or the Western world as an adult, and now they, um, they're not sure where they want their lives to be, right? Or they're a first or second generation, right? So I've helped, I have clients from India, Mexico, China, Egypt, Iran, you know, those countries of origin, right? And other parts of Asia. And it's so interesting that even though that sounds so, that these countries are so different, the struggles and challenges are so similar, right? And I love helping and supporting individuals figuring out how they can preserve their culture. They can, you know, honor their soul's path, figure out what they need to do instead of just following the rules and doing what they were prescribed, the life they were prescribed, you know, and it's a hard, it's not an easy process, but it can be done. And I'll say that people come to me when the pain of doing the same thing the way that they've been doing is worse than the pain of actually making a change, right? Where it's just too strong, where that voice is too strong that that they know that this, whatever that is that they're doing in the world, how they're living their life is not how they were meant to be. It just doesn't feel right. There's a part of them that feels misaligned or maybe parts of them that feel misaligned. They feel disconnected from the people around them. They feel like they never truly belong anyway, that they, people don't understand them, right? There are so many times where people just don't, I know because and I'm, I'm an empath that they don't understand me and I can often be prejudged, right? So people can be, <laughs> have the impression that, you know, that I've been told that they were scared of me or that um, they thought I was the B word or something, you know, that was not true, right? It's just not true. It was their perception of me because I'm guarded and protected. And because I have this, you know, as being an HSP, like when I'm in a room, I take a moment to take and absorb everything before I speak. And going to my past conditionings of not speaking up and not standing out, right? And also just being overwhelmed energetically by the room. And then add in that I don't sometimes don't know what I believe, right? I'm still figuring out who I am and what I believe and probably will for the rest of my life, right? I'm, I, I'm always going to be open to new ideas and new ways of looking at things because if I wasn't, then I wouldn't be able to evolve and grow. So, you know, there can be so much pressure from your family and you love them and you want to preserve that connection with them. Um, and that's okay, right? You can do that, but you don't have to do that by denying who you are. You know, you can have an interpretation of how you can preserve your culture in a way that's in alignment, you know, in a way that's in alignment with who you are as a soulful misfit. So, you know, to honor, um, people that I've been working with and to be able to serve more, I am having and holding a, a group, a small group that will be called, um, hiding to shining program for soulful 
Misfits, which is designed to take you from the life you were prescribed into the life that that you want to create. If you're interested in finding more about that and just want to have a conversation, I'll have a link available in the show notes. And if the day has passed and you're listening to this podcast and you know, you're wondering, I mean, did she already start this? Is it still happening? You can still schedule the session and we can talk. And if it feels like alignment, the next group can be part of that. So, you know, being called, I had such a deep calling to do this episode and also to talk about this and had heavy resistance, like I shared. So I want to end by talking about resistance a little bit. So when you have resistance to doing something that you're called to do, that, you know, there's a part of you that feels like this is really where I need to go. Maybe you keep receiving signs in that direction and you still find ways not to do it. You know, the excuses of like, I don't have time or somehow something else gets put on your calendar or something else needs your attention. I want you to pay attention pay attention to that. Pay attention to what is that thing that you keep putting off? What is that thing that you've been called to do, but you just don't do it? That's where you need to focus. That is your next area of focus. That's what you have to do. So if whether it involves in, you know, hiring someone to help you do it, maybe a coach or a therapist or a healer, just having one of your friends, recruiting one of your friends as an accountability partner, whatever it is, know that if it's something that you're resisting that deeply, then it's something that you need to do. And if you, your life, just to be, you don't mean to be morbid, but this is the reality, right? We all don't know how much time we have on this earth right now. So if tomorrow was your last day on this earth and you didn't do this thing, how would you feel? Would you feel like you didn't finish your work? You didn't do something that you were meant to do? Or would it be just something that wasn't that important? So checking in with that. So if it's something that you would regret, then definitely use one of the tools to get, whether it's, like I said, a healer, coach, a friend, just take the step, just take the first step. So I will come to you more with this episodes um, where I'll be talking about balancing the two worlds and adding in being a highly sensitive person. I know in this episode, I didn't talk that much about being an HSP and empath. I'm hoping that you heard through it that adding all those things that were happening around me and the deep need to honor my family as an empath and an HSP, and then being surrounded by extended family and the expectations, how that impacted my behavior as well, right? And so you absorb that, you absorb all that and you have this, you can sense when they're unhappy and you can sense all that and you don't want to make them unhappy. So there's a lot in there and I will be talking more about that. And if you are called and have some questions about what I shared, please contact me. There's a contact me form on my website. You can email me. All the information is available in the show notes. So until next time, this is Kavita. Take good care. Thank you for joining us for the Enlightened Heart Podcast, where we focus on issues that are relevant to support highly sensitive people and empaths to thrive in this world instead of just surviving. I created this podcast to support people like you and me. So if you are called 
please take a moment to write a review because you are truly appreciated as a listener and I would love to be able to share this knowledge with others. Your review is like an invitation for others to join you. Until next time, take good care. Bye.